<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rule book and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now, because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change, and we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and it's hot take time, where we ask guests to let us in on a fresh POV that they feel super passionate about, from spicy money talk to unexpected relationship advice love them or hate them, agree or disagree, these piping hot and sometimes controversial takes will get you thinking. So let's get into it. On today's episode, I'm joined by Maggie Sellers, TikTok's favorite businesswoman for advice on all things venture capital, angel investing, and the startup world. While Maggie's building her hot, smart, rich community on social, she's taken her self-taught investment career from tech sales to startup advisory. By creating opportunities and making space at the table, Maggie proved herself a startup powerhouse and valued business partner, having invested in and advised brands like Nudesticks, Doe, Oza, and more. Maggie is helping drive the consumer brands we love through talent partnerships and fundraising strategies alike. Her inside look at raising capital for some of the most sought-after brands and a passion for empowering her community to step into their hot, smart, rich era makes Maggie the perfect guest to dish on her hot take. So welcome, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Well, I'm so excited to talk about this hot take because I really, really loved it. Can you share your hot take? Yes. So my hot take is that I just don't think that every single person needs to launch a brand, which when you say it is not meant to come across in a negative way at all. But I think once you peel the curtain back of what it takes to actually build a startup that is not going to get to a million dollars in sales or five or even 10 or 20, but like a hundred million dollars in sales is so difficult. And I think the emotional toll we're just starting to talk about, like Andy Dunn writing Burn Rate, it is so much. And I just think that what goes into a startup, there's other ways to contribute to the startup ecosystem other than just launching a brand. I love this so much because I do think there's been this massive brand explosion, especially in the last three years, three to four years, where at least when I started creating Cultivate, I, there was like maybe a few people like, a few, you know, there's female entrepreneurs. Now it's like we could not even keep up if we wanted to with the amount of businesses out there. And a lot of them happen to be in the same categories. What I will say, what, what is interesting is that we've seen a bunch of new brands launch, as I mentioned, but a lot of them have celebrities attached to them. So then there's been this backlash of celebrity brands. So can you give us a little perspective on that space? Yeah. So it's actually super interesting because when I actually wanted to navigate my career from being an operator over to the investment side, the 
thesis that I had was that this was way back in the day, like four or five years ago, was that celebrities were the catalyst to bringing stigmatized industries to the masses. So I was looking at things like Cricket Protein or, you know, the first like body inclusive swimwear brand. And these were things that this was still during like Victoria's Secret fashion show era. Mm. And, you know, when I looked at what a celebrity could do because their audience trusted them to bring something that was stigmatized to the market, that was like the magic bullet that you needed to really be able to save time and money on educating a customer. Now, what has happened is like there's the playbook's been made. We've seen Rihanna, we've seen Jay-Z, we've seen Kanye do this. And so now every single celebrity, their agent, their manager is on the hunt for how can we launch a brand and make a billion dollars and become a billionaire. And unfortunately, that's just not how it works. Like it has to be fueled by passion and be fueled by white space. And so I think it's also been hard for the founders that don't have a celebrity attached to it and are like, damn, like I'm getting taken off shelf space or I'm not even getting in shelf space at Sephora or at Walmart or at Target because these brands are coming in and they might not even be good products or they're white labeled or there's not like that innovation and defensible IP that we want to see in new companies that are coming to market. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's been a lot of backlash from founders who are saying like, you know, I built this product, you know, because it solved my skincare problem, whatever, it like really changed my life. But because the power of the celebrity is so big, it's it's kind of disrupting the larger ecosystem of small business and business in general. Yeah. Which is really interesting. So from a investor point of view, what do you think is the current sort of take on investing in celebrity fueled brands? So I wouldn't like sit here and say I don't invest in celebrity brands. I definitely do. And if anything, I actually will help bring celebrities to the right brand if all the stars align just with my background of entertainment and working on the management teams of celebrities. But I think that I have passed on a number of celebrity brands recently because Mm -hmm. I'm just like, why this? What is it about this category? And is this your focus? I think that's another thing Mm. I've really been able to highlight for myself of looking like when you're in the thick of going on tour, recording movies or doing all the things as a celebrity or an entertainer, that's your priority. But your priority when you are building a brand needs to be the brand. And so if it's going to be like pulling at you and tugging to try to get you to go to retailer meetings or to go meet customers, it's not going to be successful. And so I only invest in celebrity brands where there is like an authentic match between the celebrity's audience and between the customers you're trying to sell to. And they actually want to prioritize this as a priority for their career, not just something fun that they can do. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think there are some brands out there that are like that. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you exploded on TikTok and you were really one of the first people to really be talking about the angel investing space, investing in general and money. So can you tell us a little bit about like the rise to fame on TikTok, (laughs) how you started, why you started and a little bit more about the community you're building? Yeah. This is like one of the first chances I've gotten to talk about it. So it's really fun. But I honestly was looking for this when I wanted to navigate between an operator and an investor. And I have a huge chip on my shoulder. I didn't go to a TRA school. I didn't go to a venture fund. I didn't have an investment banking background. But I had had these really crazy and successful startup experiences. I was an operator. 
but it still wasn't enough to get me on the investor side in the most traditional way. And that to say, I was like, I don't even want to do it for my maybe career. I just wanted to be a part of building things. Mm. So I started advising. I started angel investing. And that's when I realized, like, I don't have anybody to look up to. I don't have anybody that's delivering information in the way that I resonate with. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if you follow me, you'll know I post equally as much about my lifestyle and my content and my creative aspect as I do about the financial literacy side and about angel investing and fundraising and all the things. And I think that's because for me, this is like a part of my life. And so I just got really excited about the idea of being able to educate people in the way I never saw someone do. And I wish I had. And I've learned everything through a ton of failures. And like, I'm lucky to have the network that I do from my startup experience. Mm. I could pick up the call or pick up a call pick up the phone and call somebody and say, hey, I'm looking at this company. I don't know X industry that well. What are the multiples in the space? What are the things that I should look out for? Is this a reputable fund that's leading the deal? And a lot of people don't have that. So if I can share my expertise, my network, my knowledge, it was really a way to take what I was doing on a one-to-one model of advising companies and do one-to-many. And really, like, that's where this name organically has come is like being hot, smart, rich as a female is about claiming that energy. And I think a lot of the times as a female, we have shied away from claiming anything. It's like we want to be quiet. We don't want to disrupt things. We just want to like fall in line and do a good job, but not too good of a job. Be pretty, but not too pretty. Be smart, but not too smart. And it's like, no, like, I don't know if I can swear on here, but F that, like, it is about being the best you that you can be. And honestly, being the most charismatic in any single area. And as soon as I labeled what this could be as a community, it's truly like all boats rise together. And it's really exciting to see like how many incredible stories there already are and I'm sure are going to come. Absolutely. I think it's so awesome. And I really, really love it because I've been doing a lot of angel investing for a long time. And I think it's such a hard to break into space. And I think a lot of times people don't understand what goes into angel investing and advising. So I guess the question for you is, can you tell us a little bit about some of the companies you're invested in? And then also, what's the criteria you look for? So you mentioned a few things previously, but I think a lot of times I get asked for intros to angel investors and it's always like a difficult thing because it's like you want to make sure that it's a good deal and all the, and you know, it kind of fits what they're looking for. So tell us a little bit about what your criteria is. Yeah. So I, after, you know, I was kind of customer or consumer agnostic for a very long time, just like looking for a good deal. And then when I left corporate VC and I actually like went off on my own and was like consulting, advising, investing, I was that agnostic investor, just looking for something that was good. But as I have evolved in my personal life, and I think this is why I don't talk a lot about one or the other, it's a lot of both, is I've realized how freaking hard it is for women as they evolve in their role in society to do it all. Like Mm -hmm. you enter into domestic partnership, you become a house manager, you have a baby, you're the primary caregiver, yet we're seeing more and more women be the breadwinner. And so for me, my new thesis is if there is a product, service, or technology that helps a woman as she evolves in her role in society, that is a company that I want to be a part of. And so that could look like, you know, a medical aesthetics marketplace. That could look like an AI early childhood education platform. That could look like a women's health platform that I just invested. I'm just naming all the investments I just made. Yeah. And I wasn't, I think another really important part for me is being pro-woman does not mean being anti-man. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that, you know, this female energy and this hot, smart, rich, 
a man can be a part of that too. And if it's a man-founded business, that's okay. It just, for me, needs to alleviate the pressure that women feel in society right now because it is a lot. It is a lot. I totally agree. And I love that so much. And I do agree. Like, it's not anti-man. I think some of the earliest investments I made were from some of my guy friends who were like, oh, you want deal flow? I'll send you deal flow. And it was like getting in those circles and in the mix was like hugely important to like start those early investments. And again, this is like 2012. So like 150 years ago. Wow, that's amazing. But, yeah, a long time ago. But tell us more about, you know, again, the criteria. Like you mentioned that, yeah. but like from a financial perspective, are you... Because I think a lot of people are nervous about the risk of investing in early, early stage companies. But do you find you like being in on early stage companies? Yeah. So I think like as I have this role of being an angel investor and a syndicate lead, it's it's really great because it allows me the opportunity to do both. So I'll give you a great example. I just angel invested into an idea, like a pre-revenue company like a few weeks ago. It is that early childhood education AI platform. Mm. It's from a second time founder. So like credibility wise, like it's a female that's building this. She had an AI like social networking platform before. She was a YC backed founder. So for for me, it's like, okay, you know, I'm not this former founder that has like a billion dollar exit that has a hundred million dollars a year to play with and angel invest. Like I do take the angel investments I'm doing seriously where it's like, yeah, I know that like 90% of this will probably be for other reasons, whether that's networking or mission driven or whatever. But I do still try to make very good investments. Right. And so I think for when it's my personal money, it's more so about like, do I connect with the founder? Do I want to be a part of the mission? Like, you know, is it something that I can add value to? Then I'll go earlier. As soon as we get into like, okay, I'm writing a bigger check or I'm actually bringing this to my syndicate and I'm going through the full diligence cycle, that is where like now I'm really being stringent on the rules and guidelines of like, it cannot be pre-seed. It's seed to series A. Like we're not looking to take a board seat or a certain percentage of ownership, but we do invest like 150 to 500K. So it needs to feel like there's the actual fundamentals of the business. There's a good lead investor that I can that I can build a relationship with, understand how they're looking at the deal. That's not to say I just make decisions based on who's in the deal. Right. But I want to see that there's it's traction. The yes. have to be checked. Yes. yes. As an entrepreneur, education is key. Whether you're acquiring fresh skills to drive your business or staying ahead of trends and cutting edge technology. The reality is you're constantly in a state of learning and occasionally immersing yourself in a program to refine your skills can be a game-changing move. Don't know where to start? Meet Georgia Tech Scheller's full-time evening and executive MBA programs, consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. In fact, the evening MBA program is the number one part-time MBA program in Georgia. With 14 different concentration options, students can specialize in sustainability, business analytics, supply chain, international business, and so much more. Scheller's full-time MBA program is ranked number one among top business schools when comparing total tuition costs with average starting salary. Tuition is over 50% lower than other comparably ranked programs. And beyond affordability, Scheller provides numerous scholarships and fellowships designed to empower women, ensuring that pursuing an MBA is within reach for you. Scheller College sits right in the buzzing heart of Atlantis Tech Square, an epicenter packed with startups, corporate innovators, and researchers, creating the perfect environment for hands-on learning. Here, students dive into real-world experiences by collaborating on projects and internships with the Tech Square community. With a Scheller business education, you're not just learning, you're cultivating your personal and professional potential. Plus, you're getting the tools to lead confidently at the intersection of business and technology. Visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Georgia Tech Scheller's MBA programs.
Hi, my name is Morgan Cohen. I'm a 25-year-old girl that's still trying to figure out life just like everyone else. I'm starting this podcast to make sense out of all the messes I've made in my life. And believe me when I say I've made countless amounts of messes in these last 25 years. On the Morgan B. Cohen Show, we will talk about everything people are too scared to say out loud, anywhere from falling in love with the wrong person, surrounding yourself with the wrong people, bad friendships, friendship struggles. You know that feeling when you want to throw a party, but you don't know if anyone will show up? Well, that's how I feel right now. So if you are here, welcome to the party. I know you'll have a great time. Book your next getaway without ever losing sight of your wellness routine. At Weston Hotels, uncover signature offerings that help you move, sleep, and eat well, all while you're on the go. With more than 200 locations around the world, Weston is dedicated to elevating your well-being no matter where you are. Maintain your fitness routine and get moving at the Weston Workout Fitness Studio filled with state-of-the-art equipment. You can even elevate your workout experience without stepping outside your hotel room. Simply request fitness and recovery gear to be delivered straight to your door on demand. For those of you who prefer outdoor workouts, don't miss the opportunity to join a group run led by Weston's Run Concierge, accompanied by an expert running guide. After your workout, recharge and eat well with Weston's Eat Well menu, designed with foods that make sure your nutritional needs are met. Weston chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind, making it easy for you to continue nourishing your health no matter the destination. When relaxation calls, recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed and enhance your experience by unwinding with Weston's Sleepwell Lavender Balm, an aromatic blend of lavenders and chamomile oils. Weston Hotel and Resorts is part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and award-winning travel programs. At Weston, wellness is seamlessly a part of your stay, enabling you to move, eat, and sleep well. Visit Weston.com to book your stay today. For people who don't know what a syndicate is, can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and how it works? Yeah. So it's different for every kind of syndicate lead. I started very informally. I was like, I'm spending so much time diligencing this the same way I would in corporate VC. I'm doing like a $10,000 check. This doesn't make any sense. So I was like, maybe my friends will want to invest in this deal. If I do all the work, I'll send them my deal memo and I'll see if they want to be a part of it. It kind of just organically grew to the point where we like were literally deploying like 250, 300K checks and it was like not marketed or advertised, just friends. Yeah. And so for me, it was like very organic. There was not really these like like credentials that you needed minus being an, an accredited investor. So that definitely is defined by the SEC. We have to make sure that everybody is an accredited investor, but it does give people the option. A lot of really good deals don't want like 30 people to go onto the cap table. Right. So if you have 30 angel investors and you have a lead VC and, you know, different institutional VCs, that can be a lot of people. So what a syndicate lead will do is they they will combine all of the checks into one line item on the cap table. And then hopefully, like I do, they will manage the investment like a fund would. So yeah. instead of like calling your capital up front, they will call it like when there's an actual investment. And it gives the ownership and the final decision making back to the syndicate investors. You could say like the syndicate LPs, limited partners, so that they're making the investment decision on each deal. But then they are trusting me as the syndicate lead to manage the deal like I would if if I was a fund manager. So that means I'm getting a, a 2% management fee and a 20% carry once the initial capital is returned. But that's great because you are incentivized to make sure that this is a winning deal for everybody. Right. And so that's how I run it. Now that I've brought my sister on as my co-founder across like Hot Smart Rich and HSR Ventures, like we're 
definitely operationalizing and institutionalizing this a bit more. But it just, again, happened so organically that it was like, whoa, I guess I'm doing this now. And it was just like the best. That's how the best businesses start, though, is super organically as well. So getting back to the not everyone needs to have a brand. Yeah. You mentioned like there's so many other ways to be part of the startup ecosystem. So let's talk about some of those ways, because I think there's been, you know, to what you were saying earlier, like there's been a, a million brands that have launched. But I also think there's been this. Um, glorification of being a CEO and a boss and like wanting that as like your role. And I think it's made for small business owners and CEOs and founders, it really challenging to find employees that want to contribute or be part of something and build something that isn't their own. Yeah. And I think that that's where like it does start where it's like giving the recognition to the people on your team. If you are a founder and a CEO listening to this, like I think that's something that was always like really empowering for me being an operator first was that I felt the leadership really trusted me and was allowing me to have a platform. And I know that gets really hard now with like TikTok and everybody having like a personal brand. But I think as long as you are empowering, there are still ways to really incentivize people. Like I look at the girls who like, you know, were like the head of Uber X or whatever it was. And it was like, that's such a cool job to have. Mm. But I do agree with you. Like I think we have over glamorized being a founder and how easy it is to start a brand. It is very easy to start a brand now. Like social media has made it incredibly easy. Things like Alibaba, but now like Pietra has made it so easy. But it's like, that's just the beginning inning. Like there is so much to go. And honestly, having gone through this now as an investor for the last like three and a half years, the ups and the downs, there are a lot. And those are not spoken about as much. But I do think that there are ways to get involved. And I think the best way is through ESOP first and foremost. Like when I was an employee at a startup, I had equity. I acted like an owner. Mm. And I think that obviously, again, starts at the top, like wanting to give and cut out ESOP for their employees. But once you have that ownership in what you're building, the mindset shifts a little bit. Yeah. And so I think that as, you know, founders want to bring more people onto their team, it's like, eat what you kill. Like if you bring success to this business, we're all going to do well. And I'm of the mentality where it's like, I would rather have less of a big thing than a ton of nothing. Yeah. So I think that's the first place. And then again, like advising is how I got my start is like using your superpower. What are you good at? For me, it was like brand marketing, go-to marketing strategy, fundraising, networking, like connections. And so when I started advising companies, it was like, let me open up my Rolodex to you, my roster, my everything, my network. And I gave that to my companies. And then word got around and it's like, wow, Maggie is very value-add. And then that's kind of snowballed into an investor and corporate VC and syndicate. So you just have to start somewhere. Yeah, providing that value. Advising is such an interesting thing as well. Like I think a lot of people don't know about, but um, to be an advisor, you often will get equity in exchange for your advisory services. So again, you don't. it doesn't always have to be a cash exchange. Yeah. There's a value exchange there. And sometimes it's both, yeah. which is really awesome. So I want to talk about the VC space in general. I mean, let's look at something like the beauty industry, right? There are 4 billion beauty brands. Like it's actually <laughs> unreal Crazy. how many there are. So when it comes to things like venture and backing, what are you, th- if someone's looking to start a business and they want to raise venture, what advice would you have for them? Go into a crowded marketplace and stand out or go and disrupt an entirely new category? I think being a category disruptor is obviously a blessing and a curse. And I think one of the biggest like misconceptions people have is that you have to be first to market. You actually don't. And sometimes it's better if you're not because 
I learned from experience on the operator side, when you pave the categories way and you are spending so much money just on education, like I listened to your episode um, with a ceremony, founder of like yeah. that scalp product. Yeah. She probably spends like a ton of money just educating people on what that scalp. was. Yeah. And so sometimes being the disruptor is hard. Yeah. You have to have that gas tank of VC money that's not available anymore to go and pour on digital marketing to keep your advantage. So I would actually say like a good place right now, if we look at like even the non-alcoholic industry is now we're starting to see that people are like, oh, even sure of what that is. Like even a year ago, people still to this day, people probably don't even know, but it's going more mainstream. Yeah. And it's like, it's not too late to start a non-alcoholic brand. I think you're actually probably going to benefit from everybody that's paved to just educate about what that is. I think in the beauty space, like some of the biggest shifts that I'm seeing, I am not interested in backing like another multitasking makeup. Like, it's like, we have that. We don't need more junk in the world that's going to do the same thing. Totally. If you have a really good idea, patent it and sell it to a company. Like, honestly, that's my, like, if you have a feature and not a platform, literally try to patent it and sell it off to one of these massive beauty companies. What are the trends I'm seeing in beauty that's getting funded is like beauty from within. So like things that you can actually digest, digestibles. And then I also think there's a huge shift of people going to more services versus products. Mm. And so like that is a huge opportunity to start something, whether it's like you want to be on like the pharma side, the medical side, the service side, there's so many different ways. But I think if you're going to start just like if your passion is makeup, that's great. It doesn't mean you need to raise venture capital money. Like you can start a very profitable business in beauty. If you love makeup, don't let anybody tell you, not me, like that you shouldn't start a beauty brand. But probably don't go and raise venture capital money and try to find a way to build up a community, go and get a line of credit or try to do a Kickstarter or something that's going to feel like it's not this rat race of going to just up against the shelves of Sephora. Totally. Because it is it is cutthroat for Sephora and Ulta. It's crazy. Yeah. Let's dive into something that hits close to home for all you business owners out there. Efficiency and growth. Picture this scenario. Your business was buzzing along, but suddenly you find yourself falling behind. Teams overwhelmed with manual tasks, closing the books, taking ages, and the hunt for one source of truth becoming an endless quest. If that's resonating with you, I've got three numbers that can flip the script for your business. 36,000. That's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, Oracle's top-tier cloud financial system. With NetSuite, you can streamline everything from accounting and financial management to inventory and HR. It's like having a business toolkit that empowers you to conquer complexity with ease. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And finally, one. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need, all in one place. So what's your next step? Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash party. That's netsuite.com slash party to get your own KPI checklist. Remember, the right tools can turn challenges into an effortless task, and NetSuite is here to make your journey that much easier. So when it comes to fundraising, you kind of touched on this a little bit. You said that money is gone, 
right? So it is rough out there right now for anyone who's trying to not only fundraise maybe for the first time, but also raise to keep their business going. So what advice, first give us your like POV on the market currently in terms of fundraising. And then what's your advice for founders who are struggling to raise? Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I will say it's getting like a little bit better if you have these check marks, like you have defensible IP, like maybe you have like really great industry expertise and like you have to be this archetype. I think we're starting to see venture funds pop up that are like not the tech investor investing into consumer, which is like why we're in this horrible situation right Right. now, because you're likely not going to get a 10x. Like maybe you're the anomaly, but realistically, like my favorite venture fund to co-invest with or one of them is Willow Growth because because they are looking for like a two or three or four or five X like and that's how they're underwriting their deals. Whereas if you're going out right now and you're struggling to raise, it's really about rethinking like who you're trying to raise money from. And I do think that the shift is becoming a little bit easier. I think that we just saw like valuation stabilize in the last pitch book report. But I think, again, it needs to go down to like, is your business a venture capital backed type of business? And like, is there another way to get going? My favorite companies to invest in if they're just like straight consumer is somebody that was able to get it to X without any money. So like one of my friend's brands, she got, I think, like to $4 million of top line sales, got a PO placed by one of the biggest beauty retailers and then went out to raise venture capital money. Not only do you keep more of your company, but you actually have leverage when you're going out to fundraise yep. versus when you are just going out right now, net new idea, you have maybe a couple sales, like you're just going to spend way too much time fundraising. And honestly, you should just be executing in the business. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. Um, you mentioned valuation. So can you talk to us a little bit about how entrepreneurs should think about valuations um, when they're starting their businesses or maybe when they're further down the line? Yeah. Do you want me to explain like what a valuation is? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So I think like valuations, it, it one of my other hot takes that I often say is like, I hate when VCs are like valuations don't matter to founders. Valuations like absolutely matter. matter. Yeah. They are a made up number. There isn't like some formula early stage, but I do think that valuations really like help you understand how much risk is inherently in your company to date and how much of a reward there is. So a really good example using pop culture right now is like Alex Earl is launching like on Unwell with Call Her Daddy, right? And, you know, we know that she's like 70K or 100K for a TikTok video and brands are paying that because they know what the return is going to be. There's not that much risk in it. Whereas when she's launching her podcast, I guarantee you that it's going to be harder for her to get that same number because it's not a guarantee. They don't know how many listeners are going to go. So there's a ton of risk to that. The valuation, how much she would charge, if you want to think about it that way, would be way less on her podcast than what she would probably get for a TikTok right now. So it brands will do that or investors will come in at an earlier stage because the opportunity, the reward is so much bigger that they're willing to take the risk even if it doesn't work out. So when you set your valuation, you're essentially saying like, what is my company worth today? And then you essentially are giving away a piece of ownership of your company to somebody that's offering you cash today for that valuation. Mm -hmm. So it's a long-term marriage. It is harder to get an investor off your cap table than it is to get divorced in the U.S., But it really does matter because what we've seen now in the markets is when you've raised as a consumer brand at such a big valuation, your definition of success needs to be like at least a two or a four X of what you've already raised at 
which is very hard when you are running out of money. Yeah. So that's where valuations absolutely matter. And I think like, you know, if you're if you're struggling, it depends on which industry you're in. But just using your network to try to understand like what is realistic. And even if it's not the biggest number you could get, that's probably going to be better for you in the long run. Agreed. Yeah. No, I always say I'm like, everyone thinks they want the biggest, highest valuation, but you actually don't because they can come back and bite you in a really big way. And like, you don't want to have to do a down round, which is when you do a round with a lower valuation than what you raised your previous round at, which is not great. But okay, so you talked about Alex Earl and I want to talk a little bit about the creator economy because it's truly exploded in a way that feels different, I would say. I think with the rise of TikTok, things have really shifted in terms of the possibilities of brands launching because I think with Instagram, at least, it was so editorial and photography heavy until stories came in. And then we got to see like personalities a little bit of like what people were like and, you know, how they were communicating, things like that. But TikTok is a two camera personality driven platform that is video content that's easily made into IP, which can then be sold and distributed in book form, in TV form, in content form, in podcast form, in whatever form you want. And so many brands, now the brand accelerator of like from influencer creator to brand is so fast. Like I I remember the first brands that creators were launching had been creators for like five, six years before they were ever thinking about launching a brand. And now it's like, oh, you just got famous a day ago and now look at your brand, you know? So tell us a little bit about the space, what you think is working, what's not working and what we should keep an eye out for. So a little bit of a controversial opinion, but I think like, do you know Valeria Lepovsky? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's how you say your last name, but I loved her experience of like kind of failing in public about her brand Yeah. because, you know, to that point of like, she had been a creator, I think for a like eight years yeah. or something. And even still her brand was not her bread and butter. She's very open about this. It's not my words. It's hers. Like her, her like area of expertise is creating content. And she did not want to deal with the headache of the back end, the operations, the logistics of like running a brand. And I think like that goes back to the point of like, yes, it is not in this, like, don't quote me if you haven't hit a million dollars yet, but like, or don't get mad at me. Getting a million dollars in sales is not that hard. What is hard is keeping a million dollars in sales and also growing a million dollars in sales. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that's where the fear of creators are like, oh, I'm giving all of this money away to the brand. Like we saw it with something Navy when she was with Nordstrom and then she went off on her own. And it's like, yes, you could probably, you know, push product, push product. But when you take everything in house and you are the person that is doing that, it is a different ballgame. Yeah. And so I just worry that like we're going to see so many brands launch and then it's like they're going to fall flat. And it's like how much more shit do we need in this earth? Like we don't. So like what I'm really passionate about is if you are going to prioritize this and it's going to be something that like you are going to put your blood, sweat and tears into and like the way that I look and I honestly respect Hailey Bieber and Road so much. Like you can just tell that it's something that she was like working on. She's in it. But I think like if you're not at that level of it being your number one priority, Mm. it's probably not something that you should do. And you should do something like a licensing deal or you should do like a brand partnership or do equity deals. Like that is still a huge way to get a payout in startups. Startups are not easy. So I think we're going to see, unfortunately, an influx of brands enter in because it's so easy to do it now. And people have such big teams. 
But I think very quickly, we're going to see just as many brands exit the market after like that two, three years of like, we don't have an exit. We don't actually have recurring customers. We had like amazing one-time purchase and then nothing. Nothing. And then piles and piles of products just sitting around. Um, But no, I I couldn't agree with you more. I do think that's exactly right. And I think... um, it's important. I really liked when she came forward to and talked about failing because I was like, it's so important that people talk about these things because it is this like um, shiny object situation where it's like, and then I'm launching this and I'm so excited to announce it. I'm so thrilled to do that. And it's like, make money and do your thing for sure. But be a little bit more thoughtful about like where you're going and what you want to do and what you want to be, because it's all different ways to do it. And they all come with their own sets of pros and cons. Totally. And most businesses don't survive two years. So it's like that. That's the reality. And I just think that like, to that point, you know, there's there's other ways that you can be exciting and announce and announce something and like do something really cool and different. But I think we've been so programmed Mm -hmm. like beauty brand, fashion brand, this brand. And it's like, whoa, like what I love is when I see like a celebrity or an influencer launch like what Mr. Beast, a chocolate bar, yeah. like random, yeah. but it works. And I think that there's like different types of, you know, companies and products and things that you can do to get involved that I don't necessarily think we need another creator founded beauty brand. I agree. And I think that, like to your point, I really like the idea of getting creative with the back end deal structure, right? Yeah. So you can have, have equity, you can have cash, you can, you know, have sweat equity, whatever it is, like, but you don't need to start it. Like any, and to your point, like, Starting and running, I always say, like, starting a business is easy, running a business is hard. And, like, that's just the reality of the situation. And I don't think people know that until they're in it. And no. it might be a little too late, honestly. So what is your advice to someone who wants to start angel investing but doesn't know where to start? I think if you are already an accredited investor, like, to your point of 2012, when you were going around to your network and being like, deal flow, deal flow. Like, just even getting decks and, like, trying to, if you have those connections already. Like, if you work in startups today— you should have people in your life that you can be vulnerable with and be like, listen, I'm looking to like just immerse myself. Can you send me some decks? Like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to invest yet, but it's like putting yourself out there first and foremost. If you're not already an accredited investor, I'm actually launching something that's like the Hot Smart Rich Girl budget template. It's going to be like 50, 20, 20, 10 rule. So like we've always been taught it's like, oh, you have to have like your needs, your wants, your desires, and then like your debt, Right. I'm starting to put something out where it's like, how can you start saving today for angel investing, whether it's like two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So I think it's just about getting really good about understanding the fundamentals before you even deploy capital. Mm. I would definitely recommend to take your superpower and then try to advise first and foremost. Like that will just get your legs wet in the startup ecosystem. And if you do a good job, if you put your head down, if you work really hard and you add value, the rest will just happen because you'll get a good reputation and people will want to be able to pass you to other people. So it's like always just starting with like something small. And then I think it's again, like just being interested in the community, go to events, like put yourself out there, start talking about it online. Like, oh, these are really cool startups that I've seen recently. And like going and trying to, I look back at my emails literally from like 20, I don't know, maybe like 15 to 2020 of like, so embarrassing me reaching out to like the founders of Sakara Life being like, I would love to intern to you like for you for free. Well, they never responded, <laughs> but it was just me like putting, putting myself out there. Out there. Yeah. And now it's like that is the ecosystem that I'm a part of. So I think it's like people, especially now what I notice is like they want things so quickly now that I 
10 years into my career have like just started going on podcasts, just started speaking, just started building a platform and a community for myself. These like 21 year olds are like, how can I do that? And I'm like, because I have 10 years of putting in the work. And it's not to say like, wait your turn. I'm not like that at all. If you have great ideas, put them out to the world. But honestly, I think we want things so fast. We want things so quickly. And that is just not sustainable. It's just not. And like, if you want that now, take us on the journey. Don't try to teach, take us with you. And I think there's always a way, even for myself, as I do bigger and bigger deals, if I, as I learn more and co-invest with like Google Ventures, this is all stuff I want to share because it's right. new for me. I've never dealt with a Series B company before that's being led by Google Ventures. Now I have. And so like, those are all lessons I want to take people through with me, not to act like the expert, but to be like, here's what I'm doing now. And I think that's where I would start if you are interested in this and you want to make it a lifestyle is like start building with a community, start talking about things and don't necessarily have to be at the forefront of it yet. I love that so much. I love the what you said when you said you don't have to teach me, take us along. And I think that's so important because I do think to your point, everyone wants to be the expert. Everyone wants to be, you know, the one on stage with the microphone, but it it takes a while to get there. And also you have to learn about yourself and like what you like, what you're good at, like who the people are in your life that you're going to be surrounding yourself with. So all amazing advice. Well, this was awesome. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you and learn more about your community? Yes. So you can follow me at Maggie Sellers underscore on TikTok and then just Maggie Sellers on Instagram. If you have Maggie Sellers on TikTok, I definitely want it. I'll buy it from you. (laughs) And then, yeah, just keep, keep your eyes peeled for Hot Smart Rich. There's so much stuff coming. I'm really excited. And thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Party. If you like what you heard, follow, leave a review, rate the pod, or slide into my DMs. Check out our membership program, Insiders, designed for go-getters and game changers like you. Sign up today at CreateCultivate.com. Follow us at Work Party and at Jacqueline R. Johnson on all platforms. And be sure to head to CreateCultivate.com to keep up with all the latest events, content, and community designed to help you level up your life and career. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.